What is going on everyone? This is Jordan, of course, from the Underground Survivor Guide. We are kicking off season two with a brand new, very special guest. Uh, Varen, man, you, you said just beforehand that you found me on Instagram, but it's crazy to meet someone in a similar space that's doing, you know, doing bits in the industry. Uh, tell us, you know, who you are, what you, what you're up to, how you're doing. Hey Jordan, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, sure. My name is Varun Balsara. I am a finalist uh, at the Warwick Business School uh, in the UK, studying a BSc in Digital Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Um, currently, I am the co-founder of The Human Entrepreneur, um, where kind of a community platform that is building um, and democratizing rather uh, entrepreneurial skills for uh, young and early stage entrepreneurs through various things. Um, one of them is the Human Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, the other one is uh, a community called the Youth Entrepreneur Movement. And the third is a personalized AI-based uh, platform for early stage and young entrepreneurs. And prior to this, I was the uh, founder of Connect Us, which was a social um, you know, enterprise where we kind of created an algorithm that matched people uh, similar values and similar interest-based people to events on campus so that, you know, it, it removes the awkwardness of first-time meeting. Um, and we were trying to combat social anxiety and isolation on campus. And we kind of, uh, you know, impacted the lives of hundreds of students on campus, which is now uh, taken over as an enactist project through the university. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. My passion lies in technology, um, mental well-being, um, and, you know, trying to build communities and democratize the entrepreneurial skills available um, through networks, through uh, content, through guests, to our audience and uh, to the people we serve. And usually passionate about what we as a Gen Z community can do and are doing and achieving. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's incredible, man. Like. Like I said, I mentioned to you briefly before, um, like I looked through some of your content, you know, I saw the youth entrepreneur uh, movement. Um, and one thing that I was like fascinated by was your 411 like document. It's like, what, how many pages is it? Like 96 pages or something of this information. I was like, how did these guys do all of this? Like, <laughs> how do you manage to do so much, um, I guess side hustle work, uh, alongside your degree? It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting question. Um, and yeah, I, I, the 411, I mean, I wish it, it's 96 pages, but it, it, it's, it's not too long, but it took a long time to do. Uh, but you know, I, I, what I can say is the, the result of the 411 was incredible hard work from literally everyone, uh, on the team. We, we kind of worked a lot. And I think the result of getting so much done with the human entrepreneur, be it the podcast, um, be it the, you know, the successful community that we're building or whether it's the idea of building the platform. I think it's, it all boils down to like, what's your why and why are you doing what you're doing every day? And the second thing is also kind of creating that, that space to attract really amazing people to work with you. Uh, and I think most of the success is based on the team because the idea can keep changing. You know, it, it really doesn't matter uh, what your idea is. I mean, Pretty much when you start, you'll have something. And then by the end of it, if you're successful and when you're successful, the idea is totally different. And you can see that with some amazing companies out there. The idea is to, you know, get that amazing team uh, surrounding you and surround yourself with those amazing people who you can be, you know, who you can call family. And that's where the human entrepreneur, I think, has has done a pretty good job. Um, we call we we're very, very close with. Our team is, is, is very, um, is very tight. And I think mm. that's, that creates all the difference, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I completely understand that. Um, I mean, specifically of your team, cause you mentioned how, like, how great your team is and stuff. And I think that ties a lot into, well, one element of what you mentioned before, the youth entrepreneur movement when it comes to networking. And I think another side of effective communication and, you know, actually building that team. So mm. I want to ask, like, how do you, you know, it's like you as an individual deal with, you know, um, having co-founders. How do you deal with um, navigating through team conflicts or mediating issues uh, to make sure that you're always working, that you're, you know, fully effective, uh, best selves? Yeah, this is a very good question, um, Jordan. I think it comes with practice. It comes with time. Um, 
I, in my previous uh, venture with Connect Us, you know, there was, there were lots of conflicts and I'm not sure if I handled it the best way. I think you learn along the way, but if I can, you know, advise on that. Um, and of course, I'm still learning. I'm no expert, but I think it starts with understanding who you are and what you want from people and being able to express and communicate that very effectively. Um, you sit down and you actually go, I, the way I see it is, you know, um, if you're going to marry someone, you're going to know, you want to know everything about them. Um, you know, the history or at least almost everything about them. And, uh, I think, I think the, be, you know, the same thing applies for business. Like you, you want to, you want to be very compatible, um, with, with your, uh, co-founder. You, I'm not saying that you have to start off at best friends, but there needs to be some kind of compatibility, trust, respect, uh, mutual admiration for, for, you know, it, it, ha- I, I guess these are some components that have to be there for you to actually kind of start on your journey of, uh, being successful co-founders. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, it is like a union. It, it is sort of a marriage. You know, you, you, you're getting into it. You're building something from ground up. It's, it's not going to be easy. And if you don't know how to communicate your expectations and if you don't, you know, if you don't stand up for yourself or you don't give other people the space to grow, uh, especially your co-founders, you don't regularly check in with them. Um, you know, there's not effective communication. Um, you know, I don't think the, the relationship is going to be very successful and effective communication need not always be, uh, rainbows, uh, sunshines and rainbows. You know, it's, it's, it can be quite nasty. It can be uh, very challenging conversations. Um, and that's bound to happen. And that's, uh, I think you should welcome it in a way because with these conversations, A, you will literally find out who your character is and who your co-founder's character is. Uh, and second, I think it also allows you to, you know, kind of build that muscle of being collaborative and being uh, compassionate and listening to someone empathetically, which is such an important skill today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I guess on top of that, how do you think you've managed, you know, effective communication um, in the current landscape where everything's online? Um, I know you, you spoke to me before you yourself are currently in India. I imagine it's difficult to, you know, to keep everyone in line, especially with um, time zones at play. Have you got any special strategies for that? Dealing with, yeah, I guess, online? Yeah, yeah that's, it's, a, it's, it's a good question and it's a good question to reflect because I think now more than ever, effective communication needs to be very, very uh, strong because... Most of the times you're doing stuff online, you're doing it on calls. So your tone, the way you type, the the words you use become so much more amplified. Um, mm. Especially, you know, because right now we're, we're doing this conversation over Skype and uh, you can't see me. So, um, you know, how am I talking to you to make you feel comfortable or am I making you feel comfortable? Because um, you can't see my expressions right now or you can't see me. So you don't really know my body language. And even if you do, you can't see my entire body. So so many things at play. And I think um, as a team, we're, we're pretty diverse. Like many of us study at Warwick University, but not many of us are in Warwick University right now. So we have someone from the UK. Yes. Uh, but there's one person from India. There's another from Dubai. There's, you know, there's another one from Philippines. Um, there was someone from Australia. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very diverse team and how we manage it is, I mean, on a, on a, on a fundamental level, I think it, it, it's, it's two things. So the first is everyone needs to kind of align with the vision. If you're not aligning with the vision, no matter what you do, it's at some point the team's going to break. Number two is once you've done that and on a fundamental level, you guys agree about what you're achieving. And if that goal is bigger than you and everyone's, you know, bought into that vision, the second thing is to, again, lay out some responsibilities, um, lay out some duties. And if you cannot do it, be very vocal and explicit about it. Um, and I think, you know, you need to encourage that kind of culture where people can just come and talk about their problems. And if someone's not feeling it in terms of just, they're not, you know, not just the fact that they're physically sick or unwell, but even if they're mentally not feeling okay, or they're feeling low, or they're feeling a bit down and out, um, Instead of saying, why aren't you working? Maybe have a chat with them, let them talk about it, let them vent. Uh, I think putting these systems in play where you can assure the team that you as an individual, as a leader are there for them makes all the difference, especially when you're looking at online communication and whatnot. 
I think one best, one of the good practices that we've done is we kind of have these regular check-ins with um, our team, especially the co-founders or the core team. We 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 have very regular check-ins, weekly check-ins, um, and these are less about work and more about what uh, what we're feeling, how we're going through things, what's the week been like. So it's a space where we share our feelings, our thoughts, worries, anxieties, um, and it kind of grounds us in a way where. You know, when we kind of start working or delegating, we know where each one is at emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, and I think that kind of respect obviously then uh, translates into some really great teamwork. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I completely understand that. I think one thing that I took for granted for a very long time when it comes to like, you know, team building uh, or understanding community is, I guess, the mental health side of it and how important it is to be in consistent communication not just with your team, but also with yourself, mm. you know, knowing how good you are, yeah. knowing how good your team is. And that's the only way you can really get, you know, extract the best out of everyone. And I think what you said about division as well is super important because it means that you're all driven by the same principles. You all, there's no need to chase up on someone, for example, if they know that they have the same goal as you. And that just makes it so much easier, especially from a, a business standpoint where everyone's constantly working towards, you know, the same, the same goal. Yeah, yeah. I think on top of that, like obviously it shows, um, of course, with Connect Us and with elements of the Yumi Entrepreneur as well, um, it shows how good you are at building communities and how, you know, your understanding of how um, keeping people together is. I guess I want to ask on top of that, how have you, you know, what's your experience been in that sector and how, what's a top tip would you say for, yeah, I guess, keeping people together and helping people build and grow collectively? I think the way I see it, Jordan, I think, because we're living in, um, I mean, we're recovering from a pandemic. I don't think we're recovering really, but uh, there's there's time for recovery. But like, you know, we've started recovering from a pandemic. So just during yeah. the COVID time and post-COVID, I think community is going to become very important. Um, I don't think for a very long time we would be able to um, go out the way we did. You know, the the way people interact with each other will change. Um, and I think at the end of the day, fundamentally, what we're all, you know, really after and what probably gives us a lot more fulfillment is meaningful connections, um, connections with people who not just, you know, you can hang out with and, and party with and go to clubs with, but, you know, can sit down and talk, talk about your worries, talk about your experiences, talk about how you feel. And I think that was something missing in, in, in many in many in many aspects from you know the, the pre-covid era i think right now you know because of lockdown because of self-isolation and many of us have gone through a lot because of that but we've also understood the importance of having these relationships mm. and fundamentally if we understand that and if we understand what what this is the basic human core right like fundamentally we are social animals we want to communicate with people but we also want people to understand us. And so then the question is, how do you facilitate that meaningful connection? It's very easy to kind of get people around, um, you know, around, say, a club or a party because, you know, it's it's easy to do that because I feel like there are a lot of other um, distractions, if you may. So in, in terms of music or in terms of, um, you know, uh, drinks, uh, but try doing that in, in a setting where none of that exists and try doing that online. And then you start asking yourself the questions. Okay. So if there is no kind of, if people really have to talk with each other, what does that interaction look like? Um, and so I think that's where the fundamental idea that, you know, we were thinking about came from as communities becoming so important. It'll become important irrespective of whatever you do today. Um, whether you're a brand, whether you're a company, whether whatever, community will be so important. And for us, community is very, very important because I think when you talk about entrepreneurs in general, young entrepreneurs, student entrepreneurs, the fact that it's difficult to see that many young entrepreneurs or student entrepreneurs don't have enough access to the the correct educational resources, the correct networks, the correct people. And so mm-hmm. very often what you find is you're working in this silo. And when you want to quit, there's nobody you can talk to. And as a result of that, bam, 
the next thing you know, you've, you've, you start working on your entrepreneurial vision or whatever. And, and, and there you have it. The problem with that is you're not alone. You, you know, people are in the same boat as you. People have been in the same boat as you. But the thing is, you probably don't know they exist. And so how do you build an ecosystem or a community of such resources, of such people where if you know that you need help, you know, you're going to get it. And so then the ease of doing business within your head, mentality wise, um, psychologically, it's not as big and as daunting as it seems. And this kind of then this kind of self empowerment creates uh, it's a nice self perpetuating cycle because that allows you to build and that when you build, you know, it creates impact on people, which is what we need in the world today. We need more leaders. We need to fight things like mental health stigmas. We need people to, you know, create uh, things that create like technologies that can help us in terms of sustainability, environment, uh, waste reduction, uh, dealing with poverty. There are a lot of difficult problems that need to be solved. And the way we thought of doing that was if I can give, you know, I can come up and create a product for, say, 100 people or 1000 people and it'll impact greatly the lives of their, you know, it'll impact their lives. But what if I can kind of impact a hundred people who can then impact thousand more people and then look at the exponential impact that we can have? And that's what really drives us. Um, and I guess community becomes a very essential part of that, that journey. More so because when you fall and when you need help and you really need to reach out to someone, who's there? And that's what we want to do. We want to be there. From the very beginning where you're confused and don't know what to do and we can give you the resources to help you achieve your entrepreneurial vision, empower you with entrepreneurial skills so that tomorrow if you decide to drop out and go into any sort of job, you're still valued because entrepreneurial skills are the skills of the future. Or whether it goes and becomes really successful and you want to get investment and you want to grow your thing, we want to be there with you every step of the way. And I think that is what drives us and hence building communities around that then gives us a more stricter uh, vision and you know uh, a more sense of purpose of what we're really doing Mm-mm. bro that's literally like yes <laughs> that's amazing man i can't lie like it's so true what you say like how the problem isn't so much about you know whether you succeed or fail it's about how much, the people you know in many ways i remember reading a fact i think like 60 percent of people in the uk are employed by um SMEs, you know, small to medium enterprises. And that goes to show like it's not even a case where this is not it's hard is as hard as people say to start up. The the actual problem for many of us and especially for students, I feel like, is, you know, as you say, the lack of community, the lack of someone to go to with questions. Even me and myself, when I'm starting to start this podcast, um, it's like who do I really go to? <laughs> you know? Like I might look up online, I see what Joe Rogan's doing, I see what Joe Budden's doing, I see what uh business casuals doing that's what you, you try and build up a knowledge pool on your own but it's always been challenging i suppose to um you know to see other people in that space and yeah. just to even yeah. like this chat we're having now it's the first time we've ever properly spoken and it's like we're doing so much similar stuff but how's it taken you know so long to cross paths in a, in a space where there's not actually that many of us um so yeah what you what you guys are doing are like it's it's incredible, man. And they're so needed right now. I think now I think, more than ever, we kind of yeah. need what you guys yeah. are offering. Thanks. Thanks for that, Jordan. I think you raise a very good point, really, because it's 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 more about, you know, like you said, like if you don't know where to start, many, many people in your same boat might have quit. You know, I applaud you for taking that step, going and looking at what other people did and, and you know, trying to emulate that. That's a great step for learning. But what if I can tell you that there's a community out there that already has been there, done that. And therefore, as a result of that, you can reach out to them and then, you know, you've not, you've not wasted so much time or, you know, you've not come to that drink where you're like, oh man, this is not working. Let me just quit. It's so, just imagine the impact that it can create on so many entrepreneurs today who've probably started something, but said, nah, it's too difficult and let me quit. You know, I was talking earlier about, um, I think it was more about, you know, going for parties and, um, you know, the, the social circles and the construct is built around, you know, going for parties or, you know, hanging out. And, and that's great. Like if that's, if that's your thing, I, I have no problems with it, but sometimes 
you know, hanging out with people who've kind of, you know, who you aspire to be, um, maybe in a virtual setting or completely in different time zones or, you know, different geographies. If you can have regular conversations with them, just imagine the way in which you might be able to look at the world. Imagine the impact that he will have on you and vice versa, how much of information can transfer just because there's that one connection you have has probably done a podcast that's hit in the top 20s, top 10s, who knows the field a little more than you do. And just imagine a conversation with them and how much of it can kind of, you know, how much of value can you gain from being part of that conversation with the other person just in like 30 to 30 minutes to one hour instead of spending that much time kind of Googling, 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 uh, how do you do this? How do you do that? And just imagine how many such connections can help how many such people? And the answer is kind of infinite, right? Because you're always going to have a doubt. Another person's always going to have a doubt. And there's a community that you can, you know, go to, not just for doubts, but even if you're feeling down and out. Uh, one thing that we've done that's uh, working pretty well is we've created uh, sharing circles within our communities. Um, and so we have two kinds of circles. One where we talk about failures and we just have a laugh about it and feel good that we failed and reflect on our failures. And we talk about that really openly. <laughs> Like we say, you know, I fail because of X, Y, and Z. And then so a sharing circle is essentially anyone who feels low, down, out, wants to share their reflections, thoughts. It's an open space to do that. No judgment, nothing attached. The only prerequisite that you need to have within that circle is I will like there's no judgment. You will not judge and everything that's, you know, it's kind of confidential. And so each person shares their journey, uh, what they're feeling like. And yeah, we take it from there. So these, these are the types of things, you know, that build community, that build respect, that build trust, um, which is, which is what we're really, really focused on. And, and I think because like you said, there's, there's a lack of that available every day. We say, how can we impact more people? How can we, how can we do things better? How can we, you know, operationally or idea wise, innovation wise, what can we do better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that's the only way to do it really. Cause you often realize, and especially in, cause you talked about how you, and you're passionate about tech as well. Like a lot of these things evolve so quickly. And I think communities are another thing that evolves quickly. Always getting more people. Um, the people that are already there in that space, their needs and wants kind of change over time. So always making sure you're on top of it and you, you know, you're never stagnating where you were is, I think that's a, it's a crucial part of like any, any space to be fair. But yeah. I think slightly segueing off of, um, well, to be fair, before I segue for this topic, I want to ask one question that's, because <laughs> we talk a lot about students, you know, and how it's important to be, um, to build a community in our spaces. So mm-hmm. why have you called it the human entrepreneur? I feel like that's a very big space to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a good question. And I, I talk about students, but I always, I, I don't, I don't necessarily mean student entrepreneurs. I say young and early stage entrepreneurs. So anyone below the age of 30. Um, and it's kind of like challenging that rhetoric about, you know, how entrepreneurs are supposedly successful, uh, at the age of 35 or 40, you know, in their mid forties or, uh, late thirties or, or whatever. I don't know the statistics on that, but the idea of the human entrepreneur and especially the youth entrepreneur movement is the youth entrepreneur movement is tackling the youth, which is under 30, under 30 years. Um, and the human entrepreneur as a podcast is that is, you know, it, the target is young audience, but it, it doesn't restrict you if you're say above 35 to listen to the podcast or for that matter, get engaged with our platform. Because essentially what we want to do is we want to, so the way we see it is we want to impact, um, the way in which we see entrepreneurship. So everybody thinks of, you know, when I say who is an entrepreneur, the first thing that you probably might have thought of is Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos. (laughs) And you're seeing these people on a pedestal. The problem with that is you don't really see the human side of them. You kind of see them as these untouchable gods of the tech industry or these business tycoons. Um, The reality is they all face a lot of the similar problems that we're all going through as young, early stage entrepreneurs. There's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of anxiety, worry. Um, And quite honestly, the more I speak to successful people, um, especially in entrepreneurship, man, everybody is winging it. 
there's not I'm no, I don't know anyone who's not winging it right now in entrepreneurship even though they're successful because by the very nature of entrepreneurship is you're trying to do something new it's not been done before or you're trying to improve something that's been done before it's basically trying to create something new so there's no other way to do it than to fail your way to do it like it's just not possible to i mean you can succeed at the very first time and that's great but the chances of that happening are very low because <laughs> you're fundamentally trying to do something that no one probably else has done before and if it's going to be successful you're going to probably have to figure it out using trial and error right so these are the kinds of you know when you when you think about it like no one sees this no one wants to mention it the media kind of ha- is partly to 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 be scrutinized here because like when i don't think the media talks enough about failures of entrepreneurs and the human entrepreneur tries to you know humanize the entrepreneur and and see them for who they are which are human beings who've done extraordinary work and are impacting the lives of thousands of people but at the end of the day they're still human beings and it's the human spirit it's the human potential that drove them to where they are which is existent in almost everyone and so that was it so that's the human entrepreneur podcast the youth entrepreneur movement we just wanted to to you know want to start with a smaller segment young entrepreneurs i feel typically and um, you know early stage entrepreneurs kind of struggle to have that network hence we said anyone below the age of 30 can join uh but the you know the platform that we're building it's it's targeted for young early stage entrepreneurs but that doesn't restrict anyone else wanting to use it uh, if that makes sense because what we do with the platform is we kind of we're curating a ai based uh system which kind of connects you to uh specific resources based on where you are particularly in your entrepreneurial journey so that's connecting you to specific mentors uh connecting you to specific um master classes to content and i think that's accessible to literally anyone who wants to uh better their skills or get advice um and you know it's it's kind of it's it's up to you but our target right now and where we see the greatest impact is so much innovation so much potential post covid um and we really 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 want to be in that space where we can help people and leverage our networks leverage our brand leverage our the brand value to to get people on the platform and to help and impact the lives of so so many people potentially mm yeah 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 that's yeah for sure man that you talk a lot about tech and i think you mentioned as well in um when you were working with connectors um you had like a an algorithm to you mm. know match people of their events and stuff yeah how have you gone about i guess funding all of this because it seems like you're I mean, I, I don't, I always have no understanding of it, but it seems like it's very expensive, if not in terms of financial expense, it's a big time expense, surely. So how have you gone like sourcing funds, um, especially yourself as a international student with visa constraints? Yeah. Uh, I, I, one word, it's really hard, but I'm, I was fortunate to be, um, in a great ecosystem of, um, I mean, I'm in the Warwick University and Warwick University has this, uh, department called Warwick Enterprise. and they could they they're really nice uh, they they support a lot of uh, early stage you know idea generation so uh, very early on um i got rejected first from the fund um that i applied for and then i revisited that fund and i kind of got selected again uh, what that what that gave me was 1000 pounds to play around with the idea of connect us um and i guess you know I realized fairly early on that I'm not someone who's going to sit in code um and I know that there's a huge debate around whether you need to learn how to code as an entrepreneur but I know that my skills are in in talking to people in networking I'm a business development vision mission um and and so you know it's 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 more on the business side rather than the technical side and I realized that fairly early on so um I I kind of went to literally every uh, single you know open mic night and um every event and i kind of found my uh so to say at the time uh technical uh the cto the chief technology officer and uh, he built out the primary algorithm and then once we got the 1000 pounds we kind of outsourced the development to someone in uh, india um and um, yeah we we built that platform from there similarly with the human entrepreneur we got funding uh because you know the the big constraint right now is the 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 fact that i'm on a student visa as you correctly pointed out 
And as a result of that, I'm personally, I can't, we can't raise money or transact because we can't set up a company, but all we can do is rely on like student funds to finance our thing. So, you know, literally going out and seeing which are the student funds available. Can we actually get them uh, writing out applications, dividing the work amongst the team and, you know, literally everyone on it, we've been able to raise pretty decent money to kind of bootstrap this whole um, MB, uh, the MVP. So, I mean, when I say bootstrap as in, it's not, it's not really um, exact technically bootstrapping, but yeah, we've raised enough money to get uh, an MVP out there and hopefully, you know, can test the market through that. And you'll be surprised there are many funds out there that kind of want to give uh, help to students. Again, not many of us would probably know about it. Uh, and we feel like there isn't money and that we have to give out equity. But many of the times institutions, um, other kind of third party uh, departments uh, within, you know, institutions can, I guess, not third party, but I guess, you know, there's like, you know, you have a university departments and then you have external uh, companies that kind of give you the money if they see some potential in you. Uh, I guess it's just, I I mean, they want to give back. They want to obviously help their uh, students if you're part of like, say, for example, Warwick Enterprise. Um, and there's a lot out there. So, I mean, if anyone wants to raise money without giving equity or is in my position, which is the fact that you're in an international visa, but want to try out and, you know, you have a burning desire to set up a, you know, want to try out something and build something and, you know, impact the lives of people. There is a lot that can be done uh, without raising finance in the conventional sense of giving equity and setting up a company. You can run your entire thing as a project, test out the idea and then go and apply for maybe a visa for an entrepreneurial visa. And, you know, sort of uh, you have so much that you can tell them to say that, hey, I've done this, this, this and this. Uh, my plans are this and this. And, you know, the, I guess the chances then of you getting that visa also kind of become a little uh, stronger because obviously then you've shown that you've put in the work and you've done the work. So don't don't let the financing and the fact that you can't set up a company stop you from testing the idea because it's a great because you can't set up a company and stuff. It's a great idea to keep testing and iterating and seeing what works, what doesn't, because then once you have the ability to create that company, you're fairly, you're fairly knowledgeable of what is happening and where you want to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I completely agree with you. I think, um, financing is something that's super important. And I think there's not actually enough resources out there that now that you mention it, it would be great if, you know, either of us or even the pair of us together made an actual resource of an actual list of all these, um, institutions and all these funds that are accessible to students because even myself while i don't need you know thousands of pounds to start um podcasting for example uh it's always good to know i guess that there's money there should you need it should you plan on expanding should you want to um hire stuff and just having a you know a go-to place of all the resources you can put potentially get um that's something that we need <laughs> and i imagine you probably have it uh within your community anyway but it comes down to what we've been, you know, the theme of this podcast so far, this interview so far is about, um, just knowing things, having that community, having that access, having that knowledge, that support is there if you need it. People are there if you need it. Money's there if you need it. And once you have that support network, I guess it's so easy to not necessarily to succeed because you can still fail with everything, but it just means you're less likely to drop out. And it means you're much more likely to take that second step and just see how things go. And, you know, hopefully, uh, in the long run, we're all going to have some degree of success in our, you know, in our little uh, projects and side hustles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And yeah, we, we do have resources uh, within our community for uh, opportunities like funding, etc. So if anyone's interested, it's, it's right now we, we don't, there's, there's literally no charge to join the community, just that we have an application process. Um, and yeah, it is a form once you fill out the form, we kind of go through it. And if you're selected, you're in and you can access all our resources. So yeah, we have weekly webinars, uh, monthly networking events, sharing circles um, of different kinds. So yeah, we, we, we team, we kind of produce our own content as well every week. Um, you get access to our live recordings at the Human Entrepreneur Podcast. We bring on a lot of other guests to chat as well. Um, 
yeah, the, it's a very, very active and vibrant space. There's always something happening. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Did you say you have 150 people there now, or is that, that's, I think that might be from Connectors. So that's, uh, no, so we've got over 200 people now within our community. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible, man. You've done, you've done very, very good work in such a short space of time. I can't wait to see how, you know, what, what's coming next for for you, an entrepreneur. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I want to segue a bit off of, um, what you guys do and talk a bit more specifically about, um, I guess the tech side, because social entrepreneur, social entrepreneurship, I think is such a, big space right now especially when it comes to of course working with people is one thing but also sustainability and also very a lot of elements where you have a lot of room for technological advancements that can help uh progress what your you know your mission uh so i want to ask you like how have you i guess used tech in a way to to further implement what you're trying to do and also segueing a little bit into sustainability and how you've built a platform that can consistently run um over time the way I see it is what is the fastest and easiest way in which you can uh, build out your product uh, with with the functionalities that it would have in the final product. I guess that's what your MVP is, your minimum viable product. So you've got to ask yourself the question, how can I use existing resources to build what I have to build? Um, and it doesn't have to look the best. It just kind of has to be somewhat functional. And then you can always build off on it because of the very nature of digital and digital technologies. Um, so I guess one thing that, you know, fairly early on we realized was with community, we can do that very easily through a Facebook group, closed Facebook group, and uh, we can see the dynamics, how it works out. Because it will function as a platform. Everybody already has um, a mobile phone, a Facebook account, internet connection, more or less. So we can test it out. And true enough, that kind of worked. Instead of saying, oh, we're going to build a platform from scratch and waste time, money, effort. We said, let's just see how it works and then build along the way. With the platform itself, with our AI-based platform, obviously, because we'll be using machine learning, there's going to be a ton of uh, coding and data. So a lot of historical data will have to be created um, for the algorithm. To, so I guess, you know, initially... How do you create that experience? It will have to be done uh, perhaps manually um, to create effective matches. Uh, building the algorithm will take time. Uh, feeding it with data will take time. So I guess, you know, you you have to think of it in, in horizons. So um, what's the first horizon that you need to, you know, um, you know, achieve? And then how do you go next, next, next? And so if you if you start thinking of the the 10th horizon when you're actually just at the first, the second horizon, you're skipping a lot of steps, which means that you might think that you can achieve Horizon 10 when you're at Horizon 2, but you may not be able to, and it will waste a lot of time and effort. So instead of, you know, working to build, say, a, a hundred pound, uh, kick ass, you know, uh, service platform, you know, try and build maybe a 10 pound, uh, platform or a hundred pound platform instead of a thousand pound platform yeah. just with the basic functionalities and and see what works what doesn't work and by the very nature of tech it kind of scales so it's not like a physical product so a once you have like a decent website you can just send it out to so many people uh, do some advertising on instagram uh, you know you you can reach people and you can get the feedback and adapt iteratively. Of, of course, products become a lot harder, but you know, if it's a web service or an app, it becomes so much easier to do it. So start, you know, definitely think vision, think your mission. Definitely, definitely think, think as big as you can, but also start executing on smaller tasks to help you reach there. Um, and it's, it's, it, 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 I think you're kind of wearing two hats here. One is the hat of a visionary that wants to think big. But it's the second hat of thinking of, okay, how do I get there with small incremental steps? And how do I adapt, overcome and deliver um, through those, you know, those steps that, you know, we go along. And I think those tiny steps of iteration after iteration after iteration will automatically make your product better than what it was, say, in your version, uh, your first version. So I guess version two will be better than version one, taking on all your feedback. But most important thing is to definitely listen to your audience. Mm. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, your audience, your customers, your community, whatever you want to call them, they're the ones that you know use your products, right? So they're the ones that know um, how right it should be. I think in the past I've made the mistake of like, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And I'm always thinking about it from my perspective. But it just takes mm-hmm. one message, you know, one time to speak to someone who actually uses your product to see what do you think about this. And they can they can give you one bit of advice that will take you like 10 years ahead <laughs> of where you would have been had you just listened to yourself and not actually thought about how your products or your um, your service impacts people who use it. Always, so, always, 100%. I think what what what's needed is to look back and say, okay, this is what I think of what my customer wants. Now let me kind of think of this by actually now asking my what they want. And if what you thought they want and what they actually want is the same, great, you've done a great job. If not, be comfortable tweaking it and maybe drop that ego because very often, and I've been victim to it, we fall prey to the ego and we say, mm. oh my God, you know, how can this be? How can, I, how can I be wrong? Blah, 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 blah. But in reality, you're probably going to be wrong if you've not really listened to your customer or done your customer research. And sometimes you might have done your customer research and when you actually give them what they want. And I'd be like, yeah, this is great, but meh, I don't think I need it. Mm, mm, yeah, for sure. And I think that all comes back to, like you talked about, it's very, very early in the podcast that it stayed in my head as well. Uh, finding your why. I mean, I, I myself, I'm halfway through the book, um, start with why, um, si- Simon Sinek, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah. And like, that, I think that's fundamentally what it is. Like, think about why you're doing it. And then it's so hard to, I think it's hard to have an ego in that sense. When you know, like, you're doing it for this specific reason, then it, it, it starts becoming about you and it starts becoming about your product, if that kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, that's a good perspective to have. Yeah. Yeah, because once you separate yourself from it, you realize that, like, if you, if you genuinely believe in your product as well, that it's a good thing, that society needs it, that you're addressing a pain, it becomes so easy to just make the changes when necessary to grow here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 100%. For the people that, the people that need it. Mm, yeah. 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 I think, um, now's a good time to tiptoe slightly back into, um, I guess your experiences a bit more and more about the student life, um, how you found out Warwick. Um, so to first kind of segue and tiptoe across into that, um, sector, I want to ask, how have you managed, um, well, I guess a better way to approach that was how, what was your process, um, when it comes to growing all of these side projects, um, alongside your degree? Because I imagine, uh, Warwick, I think you said you did business or like a business like degree that's going to be quite, um, time expensive. So how have you managed your time and built up your, your timetable to accommodate both studying, um, also social life, all of that? Um, and then of course growing, uh, initially connects us and now the human entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's really hard. And sometimes, um, balance is not there. And I guess at some point I've reconciled with it. Um, it's hard because there's pressure, obviously academically, but also, uh, with your business, whether it's going to work, whether it's not going to work. Um, there's so many different factors to consider every day. Um, and I, I'm glad you brought out the word timetable. I think that is your savior really. So how can you kind of create, uh, a significant, you know, how can you time chunk, um, your, your tasks and stick to it? I think one thing that's really helping me this year is Google calendar and putting down literally all my tasks, all my appointments in one space. So. Whether it's, it's a, it's the watch or the phone or the, 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 the computer, I get a notification maybe 15 minutes or half an hour before the actual, you know, um, the commitment is, mm, I think yeah. also writing down your goals, prioritizing is so important. Um, and I guess writing down to-do lists every day really helps. Um, if you really want to do um, both these things, which is incredibly hard and, you know, shout out to everyone out there who's, who's doing, who's doing it. It's not easy to manage your studies and your side hustles. It's, it's really not. But what I can say is it's always, there's always going to be an opportunity cost. And very often you might have to sacrifice your social life for that. Um, and I guess you have to be okay with that. And, you know, it's sometimes you, you, 
probably best to think of it as a pulse. So sometimes you work really, 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 really hard. And then other times you, you kind of can take your, your, um, your leg, you know, off the accelerator, if you may, and sit back and perhaps wind down. I think it's very important to take breaks. Um, and I also think it's very important to surround yourself with the right kind of people who can uplift you, who can cheer you up when you're down, give you advice and give you advice that's literally, um, in your face kind of advice where, you know, they can, they can help you do a reality check. Um, they're very important, these people. So if you have them, keep them very close. Um, and if you don't have them, um, keep, keep, keep looking because these are the people that will help you in, in, the, in these downtimes. And yeah, I guess taking breaks very, like it, it is very crucial because there's this whole factor of burning out and whatnot. So definitely, definitely, um, keeping yourself, uh, well mentally as well as physically is very important as well. So, you know, don't, don't skip that workout. Don't skip that meditation session. If you told yourself you're going to sit for a couple of minutes and meditate, um, don't skip the gratitude journal. Don't skip the journal writing. Um, don't skip the walks. Um, anything that can help you mentally and physically. And also, you know, it can become a great social, social activity. You can go for a jog with your friends, um, meditate together with your friends. Um, I don't know, it, you know, walk in the park with your friends, anything, but definitely do get your exercise, do, um, do check in with yourself as much as you check in with your team as well. Uh, cause it's, it's, it's important. It's important. And I'm, I'm saying this from experience because I faced a lot of burnout currently still struggle with an anxiety disorder. Um, it's not easy and, um, you definitely, your first priority should be you because fundamentally, if you're expected to lead, you can't lead if you don't lead yourself. And that means if you don't take care of yourself, how are you expecting to take care of other people? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, man. I mean, even me myself, like you talked about Google Calendar. Sometimes I, I, like, I'm not as consistent as it as I should be. But every now and then I'll make sure it's like three until four, uh, go for a walk or like nine until ten, uh, meditate or something. Just so you, because as you talked about mental health and stuff as well, it's like, I can't think of a very good analogy. But the way I always see it is you can only give hundred percent of what you have. Like if you think about yourself as a currency, you can, if you only have 50 pounds, you can only give 50 pounds towards any project. And if let's say we're all, we all start off with a hundred pounds. If you constantly have to give 50, 50% of that 50 pounds to your mental health, to thinking about this, to dealing with that, you're only ever going to be able to give as much as you have left, which is the other 50, right? It makes so much more sense in any capacity to deal with your, your issue first and then make sure you always have, you know, no one's ever going to be hundred percent. I don't think anyone's ever, um, you know, super happy all the time. That's not really reasonable, but it comes down to making sure you're always in the best possible space at any given moment. Um, and that way you can give as much as what you have, uh, um, yeah. through that project. So my friend, yeah, I don't know, like, it's, it's tough. My, I think it's, it's tough. My friend. Yeah. I think my friend gave uh, a similar analogy. Uh, once, which is that, uh, you know, you can only be, you can only give if you're overflowing. So if you think of a cup filled with water, um, you know, you can only give if you're kind of overflowing. If you're, if you're not full completely or more than half, you're kind of giving away a lot of yourself without actually taking care of yourself. So the, the thing was to first be full as a cup. And then when you're overflowing, kind of give that energy out. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. Mm, yeah, I like that analogy actually. I might use that one later on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> what do you do personally, I guess, to, um, you know, to have fun or to relax after, after uni or after work? I think, uh, like I said, like, you know, having those close friends helps. So hanging out with them. Um, Talking to someone who you're really close to can help. Um, cooking a meal sometimes. Um, I love watching Netflix shows, uh, although I don't get too much time to do that. Off late, I have been, uh, because, you know, I, I, uh, time management <laughs> and downtime is <laughs> important. So I guess, yeah, definitely. Um, I love watching. I, I really enjoy theater. So, you know, when you're, when you were in London, I mean, that's what I usually do. 
I save up all the money I can and go and maybe watch a watch a show there because uh, yeah. I, I I thoroughly enjoy theater. So um, definitely that. But if I can't do that, then I guess you know Netflix is always there. Chatting with friends, meditation really relaxes me. Um, that's done in the mornings, preferably uh, whenever I can. No pressure on myself. Um, exercise and um, walking. Walking helps a lot, not just in terms of relaxing, but also it gives you some amazing ideas. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, one one really relaxing thing to do is also like a hot shower. Always helps. Mm. I can't lie. For me, that's the worst. I hate because whenever I, <laughs> whenever I have a shower, that's when I have the best ideas. And it's like, damn it, my phone's not here. I can't even take a note of this. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should create a. Maybe we should create like a waterproof pad, or maybe this even exists um, <laughs> that you can write your ideas on. It, it's it's probably going to be like a suction on the wall. So maybe it'd be a good idea. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I might bring a whiteboard <laughs> everywhere I go. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, to be honest, like, I joke about it, but having a whiteboard alongside, I'm not going to go into too much depth, but when it comes to timetabling and having a to-do list, just having a whiteboard by my side so I can write down literally everything whenever I have it, and then eventually I transfer over to my phone, but just knowing that, I think it comes down to being purposeful and just knowing mm. what you need to be doing, and at that mm. moment, that's it. In the past, I would always get to like 10 o'clock or, you know, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., be like, what do I need to do? I have all these jobs, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And that's why, you know, timetabling is important, because you need to know exactly, like, from three until four, I'm doing this. So from five to six, I'm doing that. Yeah. So I yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I think, I think, you know, you, if you chunk your time and kind of prioritize what your, I guess like there's a to-do list where you have like a bunch of to-dos and then you kind of put in times, timestamps on those to-dos. So it's like, okay, from two to five, this is what I have to do. And the to-dos are kind of like you prioritize them eventually. And then you just box them into your time slots. And I guess that's then your, uh, if you want to say, you know, your, your compass to guide you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think just two quick fire, I guess, last questions. Um, what do you think has changed for you the most since you started um, at university? I think I've realized that like nothing is going to stay the same. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to actually cope with. Um, uncertainty you know there's a, always this illusion of control uh, but in reality we aren't in control of many things and it's it's a very it's a very difficult thing to grapple with and I'm still grappling with it I think university has taught me one thing and coronavirus taught me one thing is like you have to be resilient enough to be prepared for anything um, and it and so much so that controlling a situation Perhaps is just an illusion. All you can do is work from your best. Like you need to have your best interests, of course. Uh, and you know, you need to be resourceful in the skills you have, but I don't think control is something we should be chasing. It's about accepting and sometimes even letting go. Um, and I think I've realized that that's so important as an entrepreneur as well. Just you know, sometimes when you work so hard and you don't get something and it's, it sucks, but if you keep brooding over it, can you move on to the next thing? Perhaps not. And it's so hard to kind of, you know, grapple with this and dealing with this uncertainty for me, even currently. But you know, that's one thing that's kind of changed is, is, is being aware that this is true. Um, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and uh, control is more or less an illusion. Mm. Yeah, I completely see that. I think a lot of people go into uni or even workplaces and they feel like you have complete control or at least, you know, some degree of control over at least what you do in yourself. Um, and yeah, I completely agree, especially with COVID, how it's like all of that, you know, all of what you thought you had, you really, really don't. You, you really are just at the peril of um, the global, you know, macro circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah, I think resilience is super important. That's something that I've tried to work on a lot in the last few months because of these lockdowns, just like, how can I get back up? It's all good and well to go through things or to be on top here and there. But how can you recover, you know, from that loss? How can you adapt to the change in yeah. times? If I and pose that question, is. if I pose that question back to you, what would you say your answer is? To me, I, I think it's my, what's changed me the most is more so my mindset in terms mm-hmm. of what do I want to get out of it? I think when I started uni in the first place, or even before university, um, I really enjoyed math and physics at school. And I just thought, okay, I like maths, I like physics, let me do engineering. 
Um, the had I thought about it a bit more, maybe of a gap year, maybe if I was a bit older, I would have realized that university in a nutshell is a means to an end. You know, you're, you're kind of just there to get a job or to meet the person that will get you a job. Um, or to have the space to work on your own projects, but it's fundamentally a stepping stone towards, you know, your greater career, your greater life outside of university. Um, had I sat down and really thought about it beforehand, uh, I don't think I would have gone to uni. I don't think I needed, um, to be at Bristol. Uh, I don't think I need an engineering master's to do what I want to do in the future, which is, uh, strongly based around tech, strongly based around, um, helping people, which of course you, I can do. There are several ways to do that, but, whether or not I needed to be here, um, that's changed the most for me. Just my mindset in terms of what I want to get out of it and my approach to, I guess, longevity, to sustainable future, where it's not necessarily about, you know, having a great degree, a great master's, a great network, as much as it's about um, knowing what I want and being happy and having the means, you know, having the financial support and stability to maintain my level of life or to help the people I need to help. Um so yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it in depth. I think it's difficult because I'm only still in second year, so I have a lot of experience in to go. But I'm very much in a case of, you know, how important is not just university, but any individual stage of life. And similar to how you're talking about tech and, you know, scaling and refining your process to better improve your community, I've got a similar mindset of my own life. Like, how can I take out this and that? Or, you know, who, who am I cutting off next <laughs> to make sure that I'm just at peak happiness and peak um, life enjoyment? Wow. Yeah. Love that answer, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I've had 20 episodes so, to refine that. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, I, I guess a final quick fire question would be, um, do you think uni so far, I know you said you're a finalist, so maybe this year could be like a complete game changer for you, but slightly reflecting on even my answer do you think uni's worth it and if you could do it again um what would you do differently well, is it worth it well it depends on what you're studying where do you want to go um is where do you want to go very dependent and reliant on a degree um is what you're studying something that you can't do anywhere else uh, or on your own and you need that practical support and if yes then by all means but do you know why you're going through university? Are you aware of that? And I guess if you are, then yeah, go for it. If not, then maybe it's not the best thing for you. Um, but I guess it's a very individual and personal choice. Um, and like you said, you know, you could view university as a means to an end and that's okay. Um, I guess if, if it's, if it's feasible for you to go to university, then perhaps it's, it's in a way, why not? Because you get to, like you said, meet new people, work on your projects um, and study something you really love if you know what you really love doing. And if not, it's probably a good place to know what you don't like doing. Um, and I guess, you know, bo in, in, in both sense, you're kind of winning. It's the way you see it. But yes, it kind of does take away time from if you have a project, um, it kind of, you know, you have to study things you may not like. Uh, but I guess that's part of it. I guess, it, again, it depends on your purpose of studying. What would I do differently? I would stop stressing so much on, on, on the outcome and on the result and on whether I do really well. I wish I could, you know, actually embody that and, and just, you know, enjoy what I'm studying because I really do. I get bogged down by, oh, what grade am I going to get or how successful is going to be? I wish I could just stop that. Um, I know it's not going to be possible to stop it entirely for me. But I guess over time, hopefully, if I'm, um, if I have to do this year, you know, what differently, I would perhaps be more aware of this and kind of create that sort of, uh, check in with myself or have an accountability partner to say, you know, you're, you're in it for the learning, you're in it for the knowledge and the outcome will come because you're so passionate about it anyway. And you will do well in your degree. You will do well. Um, just generally because you're so passionate and you love what you do and you're, you're putting in the work. Um, so yeah, that, I think, uh, it's, it's less to do with what I would physically do. It's more to do with how I would think. And so perhaps, uh, if I had, if I had to do the whole uni experience again, it would be a drastic shift in mindset really. And of course, have, have fun along the way. Enjoy the journey. <laughs> yeah. Preach, man. Preach. I only think a lot of people go in. I mean, maybe not. Let me speak for my for myself before I speak for everyone else. But 
I definitely went over with a, with a, a wrong mindset in several ways. And yeah, like completely, as you say, it's like how you approach it really defines how, how it goes. And like, I guess what you put in is what you get out. And I think that transcends uni into like almost everything you do in life, especially, um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's literally, it's literally what you put in, you know, what you invest in terms of time, money, whatever, um, defines how good it's going to be in the end. So a hundred percent, man. Yeah. 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 All right, man. That's about all I have for you. It would have been great to, like, if, whenever we do this again, we'll sit down and talk a bit more about mental health. Um, maybe expand on some topics about, um, your podcasting journey as well. But yeah, as far as now, that's all I've got for you, man. It was great having you on. Um, uh, if you have any last comments, uh, now's the time. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, Jordan. And, you know, for anyone listening, hang in there. Um, uh, there is a community for you, which is the youth entrepreneur movement. There is a podcast available. You know, we are, at the human entrepreneur podcast um and and a lot of exciting stuff coming up on on our end um i can send jordan all the links um the best place to follow us is instagram um and yeah more than more than happy to you know help anyone or if anything is bothering you or you just want to talk or just have a chat feel free to reach me um you know jordan has my details and i can send that over as well jordan but yeah um check out the human entrepreneur and just know um, you're not alone and if you really want to do something and create change and impact lives of people go out there and do it and you will find the support and hopefully we can help you with that support as well but yeah thanks for having me and thanks for letting me share my story today usually appreciate it Jordan lovely it's been great great having you Baron.